Hey, this is Tom Atona, Bullet Club original, OG, triple, triple, O freaking G, New Japan pro wrestling athlete, and you're listening to Wrestle In. Hello, 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 and welcome to Noob Japan. This is a Wrestle In podcast in which we try to impart knowledge about the wonderful world of Japanese pro wrestling, one wrestler at a time. In each episode, we pick a wrestler and give an overview of who they are and what makes them special. Conversation is guided by an enthusiast who is a fan of the wrestler as they try to enlighten a self-proclaimed noob who is eager to learn more. So if you're a dedicated fan of Japanese wrestling, you can enjoy placing, pointing out any inaccuracies our enthusiasts might make. And if you're new to the wrestlers we discuss, you can enjoy learning alongside our noobs as we hope to offer an introduction to Japanese wrestling, new and old. We're all a noob at something. For some it might be cooking, uh, others it might be sports. Or if you're, you're this wrestler in particular that we're discussing today, you might be a noob at having bad matches because you're just that damn good and you're always getting five stars. For this episode, the enthusiast is myself, Kieran RH. You can follow me on Twitter at Kieran RH and then the number two because I got my Twitter suspended because the uh, powers that be at New Japan weren't very friendly. Um, there are people out there that are far more knowledgeable about that are far more knowledgeable than myself. So I want to make it clear right off the bat that I'm definitely going to get things wrong. But I'm just here to have a chat with the guests and explain why these wrestlers from Japan are so awesome and eventually help ensure that everyone knows why Toro Yano is actually the true ace of New Japan. Joining me as the noob this episode is fellow wrestling columnist, the fantastic writer Adam. Adam, thanks for joining me. Uh, you're welcome, Karen. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, you know, I get to be, like I said, I get, get to be the guinea pig for this. So this will be, be fine. Yes, hopefully the first of many to come. Um, so Adam, which wrestler did you want to discuss? He's unquestionably one of the greatest wrestlers in the world today, but you can do the uh, grand reveal. Yeah, so um, you know, I picked Okada to discuss today, mainly because I don't know too terribly much about him, but like you said, everyone says that he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world today. Um, and another reason is that... Um, there's a lot of people saying that he's going to top Kobashi uh, in the voting percentage for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, of which, full disclaimer, I am a voter for that. Um, so I would like to know why he deserves to be on my Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot. That's great. So you've got a motive for coming in. It's not just, you know, you want to know more about Carter. You want to know why he is deserving of being on the same level as someone like Kent Kobashi. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I don't know that, you know, I don't know too much about him. I've seen a few matches of his here and there, but, you know, I'm just excited to learn more about him. Well, speaking of the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, of course, has the famous five-star system. But here at Noob Japan, we have the 10-star noob rating system. So on a scale of one to 10, Adam, how much would you say you know about Okada? One being you know nothing and 10 being you're an expert. Well, definitely not an expert. Um, I would say somewhere between two and three. So you know his name's Okada, and you know who wrestles in New Japan, and that's probably about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I've, you know, and I've seen two, like I said, two maybe three of his matches. Two, I've definitely seen of his against Jay White. Um, the third one, I can't remember who he wrestled against, but I know I, like I said, I think I've seen at least three of his matches. <laughs> I know, and I know he had an excursion in TNA a long time ago. That's about he, it. He did. We'll get into that a little bit um, once we dive into the juicy bits. But um, to kick off, then 
seeing how your knowledge isn't great, let's uh, start with three questions and see if you know the answers. And then maybe at the end, we'll come back to them and see if uh, I've actually managed to help you learn the answers to these questions. Okay. So the first one, what is Okada's, you know, his gimmick, his persona, his moniker? So, you know, Kenny Omega is the cleaner or the best bout machine. Cesaro is the Swiss Superman. What is Okada? Uh, I believe it's the Rainmaker, isn't it? It is, yeah. Okay, so okay. that one's... Uh, you you know, might know more than you think you know. Yeah, and I only know that because I remember Kevin Kelly yelling, Rainmaker! <laughs> yeah, shout out Kevin Kelly. He's always an amazing job in uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. So, second question. What New Japan faction is Okada a part of? And if you have no idea, I'll list them out for you and you can take your pick. I, I have no idea, honestly. Okay, so you've got uh, Hontai, which is kind of like the main New Japan group. They're not necessarily a group, so they all kind of band together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Bullet Club. You've got Suzuki Goon. You've got Chaos. You've got Los Ingobernables de Japón. And you've got the United Empire. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven groups that Okada could possibly be a part of. Hmm. I'm going to guess and say the first one. Hontai? Yeah. The main group? Yeah. He isn't. So as we go on, let's see if you can pick up on what group he is a part of. Okay. And the last question, how many times do you think Okada has been the IWGP heavyweight champion? I'm going to go with five. Uh, Was that a guess or? Yeah, that was a guess. I am 99% sure that you are spot on. That is a a very good guess. Wow, yeah, that was a total guess. Right, let's jump into Okada then. So I see the time for me to embarrass myself or impress, hopefully, as I talk to Adam about who Okada is. <laughs> Adam, as the self-proclaimed noob, jump in at any time. Interrupt me if you've got questions, if there's anything you'd like to know more about. Uh, I've got some rough bullet points, and hopefully at the end you'll have an idea of who Okada is and why Okada is considered one of the best in the world. Okay, perfect. So we might as well start off uh, with a bit of history. So Okada either finished high school or dropped, and then went to become a wrestler, or he dropped out of college, or he dropped out of high school. Basically, he was very young. He said, I want to be a wrestler, and he went to Mexico, and he trained underneath Ultimo Dragon. When he came back to Japan, he entered the Young Lion system, where you know they you watch these wrestlers grow and train on the basic moves. He went on this, his infamous excursion to Impact that you mentioned, where, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, even as a young lion, people knew there was something special about this guy. And he went to Impact and absolutely wasted him. Um, you know, inf- he- uh, famously, I think it was uh, Alex Shelley, maybe, was saying, was there at the time, and he was selling, trying to tell the Impact office, this guy is something special and you're wasting him. Um, yeah, I, I think I remember seeing him on, on, I think he made one appearance on an Impact pay-per-view. An actual wrestling appearance on an Impact pay-per-view once. I think it was like, 07, 08, whenever he was on excursion over there. I can't remember exactly when, but remember he was like a giant multi-man match I think he was in. Yeah, I, to be honest, I've watched very little of his stuff in Impact, but um, I know it did cause a rift between uh, New Japan and Impact for a long time because New Japan had such high hopes for Okada and then he went to Impact and of course was absolutely wasted. Right, um, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I think that could be also a reason when Anthem bought Impact um, and they put Impact on Axis, that, that could be one of the reasons why they pulled New Japan off of Axis. But I could be totally wrong on that. Yeah, no, I've, I've no idea. It's a good, uh, a good theory at the very least. 
But then um, after his excursion in Impact, Okada returned to Japan. Uh, he was put in a big spot in that he made his grand return at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, you know, their version of WrestleMania. And mm-hmm. his match was against another long, young lion returned from excursion, Yoshihashi. And Okada won the match at Wrestle Kingdom. It was very not good. It was very basic. Uh, nothing to scream or shout about. But then in the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who was the top champion at the time, he won and retained his title. And rather surprisingly, Okada made his way down to the ring and challenged Tanahashi for the title. So this upstart, cocky, goofy-looking kid had returned, had done nothing yet, and he was challenging the top, t- the top man for the top title. Right, and I think, too, I think that's kind of where I started to hear about Okada in Japan a little bit, was hearing that he had challenged Tanahashi, and Tanahashi maybe something somebody we can discuss maybe in a later episode. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm somewhat familiar with Tanahashi as well, but my knowledge, again, is very limited. Um, but that's kind of like when I, when I started hearing things about New Japan as well, as like when Okada and Tanahashi and all of them were starting to kind of, that all, st- all, all of that was starting to kind of make news over here in the States. Yeah, I'd say absolutely. Okada is, without a doubt, one of the biggest reasons why New Japan is as popular as it is uh, in the Western world now. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I would probably say so as well. But yeah, like I said, you know, hearing the, the Okada and Tanahashi and all of that, um, and I guess some of the good mat, you know, some of the classic matches that were happening over there, it's like that really kind of got on everyone on the wrestling radar over here in the states, where we really yeah. didn't have much access to New Japan unless it was like on YouTube or Daily Motion or something like that. Yeah, it used to be quite difficult to get hold of until we thankfully got New Japan World. But um, so yeah, Okada challenged Tanahashi. Everyone wrote him off. You know, he's just this cocky upstart kid. You know, he's just fresh from excursion. How is he going to stand a chance against Tanahashi, the ace, the champion? Mm-hmm. But then it happened. Okada beat Tanahashi to win the title in his first attempt at challenging for the title, and it was dubbed the Shocker in Osaka uh, because the match took place in Osaka. Um, mm-hmm. And as uh, obvious as it is to say, from there the rest is history. Okada, you know, proved himself in that match that he was a great wrestler. He only got better. He improved and improved. Um, he went on to win everything. He became. Uh, he won the G1 Climax. He won the New Japan Cup. He became a five-time IWGP heavyweight champion, as you said correctly. <laughs> and he had the most successful reign with the title of all time. He, uh, the record for the most defensive, the record for the most defenses he holds, which um, of course ended by uh, Kenny Omega at that fantastic two out of three falls match, um, was the end of that reign. He had, he's had incredible rivalries with everyone. Mm-hmm. Of course, Kenny Omega has just said Tanahashi, like we've said, uh, mm-hmm. Tetsuya Naito. He uh, just. You know, he's won tons of Match of the Year awards, uh, Wrestler of the mm-hmm. Year awards, both from like you know Tokyo Sports and from the Wrestling Observer. Right. He just, uh, you know, he came back. The rocket got put on him, and it was for good reason. And he proved himself, and he is, you know, still proving himself every day as the best wrestler in the world. So, would you say that when he came back from excursion, like he was, I guess, for lack of a better term, like you know, the golden, the golden boy. Yeah, absolutely. So when he did return, he had um, Gado was his manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, non-kayfabe breaking the, uh, pulling back the curtain, Gado is the booker for New Japan. So right. you literally had the booker for New Japan standing in Okada's corner. 
So, oh, wow. okay. you know, whether that was by design as a little pulling back the curtain or, you know, it was just... At the time, Okada, I don't think, was the best on the mic as well. So Gado would do a lot of talking for him, was a mm-hmm. big part of it. But obviously, looking back at it now, you know, the book I stand in literally in your corner, it'd be like, you know, Vince McMahon managing Roman Reigns for argument's sake. Exactly, yeah. Now, you mentioned the uh, Omega Okada stuff. Now, I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be completely transparent here and say I'm a horrible wrestling fan because I have never seen any of those matches. Well, it's funny you say that. Obviously, fellow columnist at WrestleWin, Corey, is watching the matches at the moment, isn't he? And he's uh, losing, yeah. losing his shit every time he watches one. And he's like, <laughs> how can the next one possibly be better than the last? And he's just losing his mind. Right. So I need to get on that. I need to see those at some point. I've... It's on my list to do, but I just never have... You know, I between all the other stuff I'm doing, I really don't, I really haven't found time to sit down and watch them yet, but I'm, I'm going to at some point. So their first match was at Wrestle Kingdom 11, you know, Kenny Omega won the G1 Climax, he earned the right challenge for the title in the main event of mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I think that at least the previous, uh, three, perhaps three of the last four Wrestle Kingdoms, or maybe the last three on the bounce, or last two on the bounce, I can't remember exactly, it was Tanahashi and Okada in the main event. Um, and Tanahashi mm-hmm. would always win. Uh, I remember one of my first wrestle, perhaps the first Wrestle Kingdom I watched, uh, Tanahashi beat Okada and Okada left the ring in tears um, because he just couldn't beat Tanahashi in, at Tokyo Dome in Wrestle Kingdom. Um, wrestle Kingdom 10, I'm pretty sure Okada finally done it. And then Wrestle Kingdom 11, you've got this fresh matchup between Okada and Kenny. Um, and at this point, Kenny's been a heavyweight for li- one, one day short of a year. I think the day after the last Wrestle Kingdom, he became a heavyweight. Um, and it right, just and- was the most mind-blowing thing ever like I, everyone raves about it and rightly so there's just nothing else like it well the one that I always hear talked about was their match from Dominion absolutely I, I think what's so special about it is if you watch them in order there's so much you know Kenny Omega loves himself as a storyteller and he'll throw callbacks and little things for those that want to look for them mm-hmm. um, but what you absolutely need to watch them in order but the final one at Dominion was just the absolute perfect climax storytelling. You had, you know, Kenny had, you had Kenny lose at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, the 60 minute draw. And then I'm, I'm assuming I'm getting this in order. And then uh, Kenny wins in the G1 climax over a Carter uh, mm-hmm. in less than 30 minutes because each G1 match has a 30 minute time limit. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Okada has beaten, kind of, has broken the record for most defenses. And he pulls out Kenny Omega himself because their last match ended. They they drew, and then the last match Kenny won. So Okada wants to prove himself against Kenny Omega. Um, mm-hmm. There's two out of three falls matches arranged, and it's just uh, it's very difficult to put into words. You know, everyone has their own thoughts and feelings on it, but it's just everything is perfect about it. So let me there's ask none. you this: So as as the you know self professed noob here, and then, you know you know you're the expert on New Japan. Would you say that maybe that match put both of them on the map, or were they going to be on the map regardless? They were on the map. Okada was on the map if you were, you know, if you liked your wrestling outside of, at the time, it was really just WWE, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. If you were aware of going on outside of WWE, you knew who Okada was. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11 was that moment for Kenny Omega, where he became, you know, I entered the conversation for best wrestler in the world. Kenny Omega was wrestling mm-hmm. Kingdom 11. Um, you could argue the G1 Climax, perhaps. Uh, 
but it absolutely it just shot both men into a different stratosphere. Okay. Uh, you know, I would, for as much as Kenny Omega Okada rivalry is amazing for in ring, and perhaps there's no better in ring rivalry in all of pro wrestling. The Tanahashi Okada rivalry stands on its own level. That I would say is just as equal as Kenny Omega, but for a multitude mm-hmm. of different reasons. It's so emotional and story driven. It's you know the uh, Tanahashi who saves New Japan. Uh, like you know, he says he, he bought New Japan out of the Dark Ages, and right. t- took the burden on his shoulders. And then you've got Okada coming in, who's saying, "Thanks for all you've done, old man, but now it's time for me to take over." Um, and then you know, Okada sometimes went in, but in the big moment, struggling, like I said, at the Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so Okada was already up there. But then just mm-hmm. because of Kenny Omega, the Western audience getting eyes on Kenny and the internal Carter just put both men into a different stratosphere and Russell Kenny had a match. Yeah, because I always, because I think the year-end shows of that, I think it was, what, 2017, right? Um, they, like all the year-end award shows, they were talking about how amazing these matches were. And I'm like, I need to see them, but I just never had access to see them. So um, at some point now that, you know, every, things are a little bit more available here in the States in terms of New Japan. you got New Japan World, and I'm sure you can find things and other nefarious means uh, outside of New Japan World. But, um, you know, it's definitely, for 2022, it's definitely something I'm going to sit down and watch. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. It's a good, because it is such a large portion of time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think Mel- Dave Meltzer, to pick a, uh, a porn again, um, quote tweeted someone who had said they just watched this classic wrestling match and he was like okay now watch Omega and Okada and mm-hmm. lots of people were like that's a big step like you know the first Kenny Okada match is about 45 minutes the second one's a 60 minute draw the next one is just under half an hour and then the final mm-hmm. one is after 60 minutes you know that's a pace that's basically a whole day for lots of people to try and watch yeah. all that wrestling exactly um, no so it's a commitment to have to watch them in hindsight uh, which can be a bit off-putting but I think once you watch the first one, um, the first one of Wrestle Kingdom 11, you're going to mm-hmm. want to see how they can better this. Because it's just not going to seem like it's possible. Got it. Okay. Because I just remember at the time, a lot of people were comparing those matches to uh, Steamboat and Flair from 89. And like, and said, that's, that's, a high, that's a really high bar. Because I fashion myself as like someone who watches a lot of the old 80s and 90s wrestling. Um, so like that to me, that was a really high bar because those matches are just so good. But, um, I mean, if, if you're saying that these matches are, are really that good, then it's probably going to be worth my time to, to seek them out. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say set aside an hour to just watch that first one and then you're going to be hooked and you're going to want like, you know, you're going to be chomping it a bit to watch the next ones. Perfect. Good deal. Well, I will make the note of that then to watch those. Um, and then he won the G1 this year too, right? Over unfortunate injury to Kota Ibushi, correct? He did, yep. So he hadn't won it for a while. This was, uh, I want to say, seven years ago. Um, yeah, so you know, last time he won it, he beat Carl Anderson. And Carl Anderson will be sure to remind you that he was in that G1 final. <laughs> um, but yeah, he made the final this year. He's, his only loss was to Tamatonga, um, which was a terrific match. Tamatonga really proved himself as a singles competitor in his G1. Yeah, unfortunately, the match ended in injury for Ibushi. Yeah. I think he dislocated his shoulder and, uh, you know, the, ref- the, the referee stopped the match straight away and Okada was declared the winner. So has he won two G1s then? That was his third. His third. Who was the other person he beat then in the other G1? So in 2014, he beat um, Carl Anson. 
mm-hmm. in the final. And uh, the last one before that, I want to say it was 2012, maybe. Um, and I'm trying to remember who he'd be. No, 2012 must have been Carl Anderson, sorry. And then 2014, he beat Nakamura. Nakamura, okay. Yeah, of course, in WWE now. Um, of course. To get back to a bit more about Okada himself. So I'm sorry, finished... I, I know. Oh, I, just, no, I, just no. keep, I keep sending you off track of these different... These different no, things. it's great. It's the, exactly what we want to, you know, it to be just a spontaneous discussion where you get to mm-hmm. know the things that you've always wanted to know about Okada. But um, as you mentioned, you know, his finisher is the Rainmaker, which is also his... Uh, his gimmick, he'll make it rain mm-hmm. money. He uh, used to have money with his face printed on it um, that would sometimes rain down from the rafters into the crowd. Uh, and, you know, in terms of in-ring style, that Rainmaker finisher is just perhaps the best finisher in the world for uh, finishing sequences because so much can be done in terms of counters and uh, reversals, you know, because mm-hmm. he's spinning you out. So, Take the Tamatonga match, he got uh, Okada would spin him out, and Okada and then uh, Tama would jump in and try to gun stun the uh, diamond cutter, the RKO, whatever you want to, however you mm-hmm. want to name it. Um, and people will just, you know, duck under the uh, the lariat when it comes in from the Rainmaker, or you know, Shibata uh, just slapped the taste out of Okada's mouth when he spun out from it mm-hmm. uh, in their famous match. He's obviously got the for many the best drop kick in the world. Uh, Okada's a very tall guy, especially in the scheme of Japan. Um, so the height and the extension he gets in the air, it's just insane. Um, he One of his moves is that he'll often set his opponent on the corner. He'll sit them on the top rope corner. And then from standing, he'll standing dropkick them off of the top rope. Oh, wow. That sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, he's, it, it is, it's beautiful to watch. Um, and then in terms of which faction he's a part of, so Okada is a part of the faction called Chaos. And in Japan, uh, factions are treated very seriously. So, you know, you wouldn't be seen out in public with people that aren't part of your group. Um, mm-hmm. you, you'd travel with your group. You, you know, you wouldn't be seen, you know, if even the, uh, the foreigners, if, you know, if you were to look at years ago when Will Ospreay was part of Chaos, he wouldn't po- he'd post videos on social media in, ca- in a karaoke bar, for example. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't see anyone else there, other than Chaos Boys like Rocky Romero or Jarinho uh, at the time, or mm-hmm. you know Okada himself. Right, because I and I when you mentioned United Empire earlier, it's like I remember Os- I remember like everybody talking saying Osprey is the leader of that faction, or at least part of that faction. So that's why I knew it wasn't United Empire. So it was going to be, my guess for that was either going to be Chaos, and I knew it wasn't Bullet Club, because I never remember hearing, like, talk of him being in Bullet Club. So I was going to guess either Chaos or that first faction that you'd mentioned. So I kind of went with the, my, my, you know, the first faction. is like, well, I wasn't sure if he's part of any factions, so I'm just going to go with this, this first guess. Yeah, no, it, to be fair, it was the best guess you could have made, aside from getting it right. All the others would have been way <laughs> off the mark. Yeah, because, oh. I mean, like... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, one of the reasons I personally love Okada, and I know lots of people love Okada, is because inside the ring, he is this suave killer. You know, he's going to give you a great match. Uh, it's going to be memorable. But outside of the ring, he's a massive goof. He is a huge oh, really? 
goofy geek. It's like two different people. Um, that's that's interesting. It's so funny. Uh, he's a different person outside of the ring. So recently, I put some gifts on my Twitter. I watched him on a Japanese show called "I Am Adventure Boy," and it's basically you get uh, put on a deserted island and you have to show your survival skills. Um, <laughs> he's on the island for all of two minutes, and he's walking through a forest. And he, uh, one of the first things he does is he falls in the forest and almost ro- rolls down this super steep hill. And then he, he showcases himself cracking a coconut on his thigh. He, um, oh my gosh. He makes a makeshift bench press out of like a giant uh, piece of tree that's broken and he attaches two giant stones to the end. Um, but as well as part of Chaos, like Toro Yano makes these Chaos DVDs where he'll take the, uh, the group out to a theme park or something. Mm-hmm. And you really see the child in Okada come out. Um, like he, I saw a video of him the other day, and he's going down just your average children's slide that you'd find in any park in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, laughing and screaming at the top of his lungs like he's on the world's fastest roller coaster. And he gets off with this big, cheesy trademark grin. Um, there's a documentary about him on New <laughs> Japan World, and it says how he loves fishing, but he doesn't like touching fish. Um, he uh, absolutely loves ice cream as well. Like lots of times in huh. the documentary, he's just eating ice cream. It's uh, it's it is quite like if you watched him in New Japan, you would never know it. Yeah, it's yeah, because like I said, the few matches I've seen of of him, he's very serious and very focused. But yeah, I then outside the ring, I didn't know anything about that. It is just quite an interesting dichotomy because yeah, like you say, he is very serious and he is gonna put on these amazing matches, and then he steps out of the ring and. You know, I bumped into it when um, New Japan done a show with Rev Pro in the UK, and uh, I bumped into him in a uh, shop called Morrison's, which is just a supermarket chain. And um, I, I know Morrison's. I've got a friend who works for Morrison's. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and uh, I walked past him, and, you know, I was going to meet him at a meet and greet, so I didn't want to bother him. I just said, you know, hi, Ricardo, and he gave me his mm-hmm. big trademark grin and said hello in English. And then, yeah. um, and then roughly 30 seconds later, I saw Suzuki. And I said hello, and he just glared at me. Um, <laughs> I, I generally, I've met Suzuki before, so I knew he was a nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just literally just scared, stared at me with his trademark scowl, so I didn't say another word and kept on stepping. Yeah, pr- probably good decision there. So in terms of your Hall of Fame battle, what's mm-hmm. crazy? Uh, Kenneth Kabashi is absolutely one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, uh, more than deserving to go into this Hall of Fame. Right. What's crazy for me about Okada is that he's only 33. And he's... He's, he's only yeah. 33. Yeah. And he's I been see. in the best wrestler in the world discussion for five to ten years. Ten years see, might be some, pushing it, but five plus years. For some reason, I thought he was older than that. That's what I mean. He's accomplished so much, yet he still has... You know, if you really wanted to, Suzuki and Nagata... Uh, over the age of 50, they're about 52, 53, and they can mm-hmm. both still put on terrific matches. If Okada mm-hmm. really wanted to, he could wrestle for another 15, 20 years. So when right. all is said and done, it's hard to believe that he won't, you know, he's always going to be in the discussion for best wrestling in the world, but when his resume is complete, it's going to be hard to say that he isn't definitively the best of all time. Right, and it's going to be, I mean, there's going to be a lot of argument to be made for him to be the best of all time, especially if he's only 33 and he's going to wrestle for another maybe 10, 15 years. You know, because yeah. like you said, you still got Nagata out there uh, putting on matches. Because I, I, I remember Nagata from watching 
Monday Nitro, you know, in like 1997, 98, when they were bringing all those cruiserweights and everybody in, like Nagata, Ultimo Dragon, people like that. Um, so that's the first time I remember seeing Nagata. So to see him like, you know, in AEW back in the back in the spring against Moxley, to me, I was like, this is just kind of this is a trip to see him on. 2021 AEW on TNT, and I remember seeing him on Nitro in 1997 on the same network. Um, and you've got others out there, like I think Kobashi wrestled into what his 50s, uh, if not close to it, and I think Talway wrestled into his 50s as well. Yeah, so, I don't, I know, um, obviously Kobashi had his big retirement ceremony, I want to say it was 20 early 2010s, wasn't it? Like 2013, something like that, something like that. I actually have that show on my computer, I need. Um, I haven't watched it in a long, long time, but oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it was like 2013, 14, something like that. Yeah, and no, I love that Kabashi show. I got the um, the weekly pro wrestling, the Japanese magazine, where they have the United Big Deals be on the cover. I got the retirement issue where it's Kabashi retiring on the cover. It's uh, up in my house. That's really cool. That's actually really, really cool. Because, uh, I mean, this is a whole separate you know podcast we could do on Kobashi, but Kobashi was kind of the guy who got me into watching japan and watching you know watching japanese wrestling watching noah at that time frame so but that's a whole other whole other episode we could probably do on kobashi well yeah i think we don't uh maybe we just have a we're, we're both the enthusiasts for that one forget having a noob and we just uh, mark out over kobashi for half an hour i'd be fine with that um but yeah no this is i've learned actually a lot about okada today and so you may have actually convinced me to kind of to put him on my ballot um, which is kind of what I was hoping for, because like I said at the beginning, you know, there's been a lot of people, uh, it's at least some talk I've seen on Twitter and online and places where they think Kobashi, or Kobashi, Okada is going to eclipse Kobashi's percentage of 98%, being on 98% of the ballots. So whether or not he will, that remains to be seen. But I think from everything that you probably told me, he has a really good chance of potentially you know, eclipsing that, because I don't think there's ever been anybody um, unanimous, unanimously elected into the Observer Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think when you get into those discussions, it's obviously recency bias, isn't it, as well? Um, yeah. You know, fans to, fans today, most uh, that are fans, because of the, the great things on the internet, you know, New Japan World, and yeah, tons of other sites you can find wrestling, we're going to, you know, be a lot more aware of who Okada is than Kenna Kabashi. Exactly. It's, not a knock, it's not a knock on Kabashi, it's just a, uh, just knowing, knowing them really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And then and the last Okada match I, I've seen was uh, G1 Supercard uh, when he fought when Jay he White challenged, for the title. Yeah, Jay White, yeah. And, you know, that was, that was a really good match. I thought, I, and right before that, the only other, or, um, I keep wanting to say Kobashi, the only other Okada match I've seen was actually against Jay White, and it was the Russell Kingdom, I want to say of 18 or, 18 yeah, or 19. Wrestle King, uh, Wrestle King I think 12 was, Wrestle Kingdom 12 was Okada and Naito, so Wrestle Kingdom 13, which okay. would have been 2018, yeah. And okay. uh, Okada, I think that was when Okada returned to his trunks, um, rather than he started wearing pants for a while. And then um, he returned to Trunks and it got a massive pop. Uh, yeah, I, they were finally back. Yeah, because I, I was like, cause I'd heard a lot about that particular Wrestle Kingdom. So I was like, I'm going to order this. And I ended up watching, I ordered it. I mean, it was on so late here in the States. So I had to watch it like the next day. 
Um, cause it was like a Thursday and my friend of mine came over on a Friday. He went to see it too. So I was like, I'll just order it. We'll split the cost. And, you know, and then it's like, and that was one of the few Okada matches I remember. So him against Jay White. And then, you know, the next year, obviously against Jay White at, at G1 Supercard, which was actually the first ring of honor pay-per-view I ever ordered, unless you want to count all in. Um, and, uh, and that G1 Supercar actually kind of exposed me a lot to some of the you know recent New Japan people as well, you know Okada, um, Jay White, Tanahashi, Ibushi. Naito, yeah, Ibushi. I heard some about Ibushi before that as well because um, I'd seen a little bit of his stuff in DDT. Well, he was in DDT, right? Yeah, yeah, so okay, okay, yeah. I'd seen a little bit. I'd heard about him in DDT and him and Omega, you know, him and Omega and DDT things like that, but. That was really kind of like, oh, wow, Ibushi is really, really, really that good. And that's, you know, again, another podcast we could have probably on Ibushi and, and how amazing and awesome he is, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it just goes to show the wealth of great wrestlers and uh, personalities there are in the world of Japanese wrestling, which is the whole idea of this podcast, to expose more people to them. Um, yeah, exactly. But I would say, if you're in exposure to Okada, it's those, mostly those two Jay White matches. The first one at Wrestle Kingdom was uh, in... Okada's career entirely forgettable. Um, mm-hmm. The MSG match was great, as you said. Uh, the Omega match will change your perception of him entirely if that is your only exposure to Okada in the best possible way. Oh, well, that, that's good to hear. Yeah, like I said, I'll go ahead and I'm going to make a note to find those Omega Okada matches at some point, um, probably next year at this rate. They just got so much other stuff going on right now. But once I get a chance to sit down and watch them, I'm definitely going to report back to you and say, hey, here's what I thought of them. You know, be it good, bad, yeah. or otherwise. But I, haven't, I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about any of those matches. Yeah, I think anyone saying anything negative is, uh, I would take it with a pinch of salt. But right. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the, uh, the Kenny Okada matches, 100%. Oh, yeah, I mean, we can do a follow-up to this. We just talk about those matches and <laughs> what it's like for me as a first-time viewer of those matches saying, oh, this was amazing and didn't like this, that, or the other thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting like them to be just completely blow my mind. Yeah, I think it's one of the rare cases of, you know, the hype is huge. Uh, and the myth and the legend of it only grows each and every year when a Wrestle Kingdom comes back around and people reminisce over it. But mm-hmm. it's one of the rare cases where it lives up to the hype. Gotcha. Okay. So Okada's won the G1 this year. So where does he go from here? Does he so, guess he challenges for the title at Wrestle Kingdom then? Is that how that works? 100%, yep. So he will okay. be challenging sh- current champion Shingo Takagi at Wrestle Kingdom for the top title. Okay. And then I remember, I, I, I think when Tanahashi won the G1 a few years ago, I remember hearing something about him having to defend the, the title shot or the briefcase or something like that, you know, until yeah. it gets to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, so in the G1, you know, it's a round-robin tournament. Everyone in the block faces everyone in the block. Um, mm-hmm. people lose along the way in this case Okada lost to Tamatonga on his way to victory to, to win in the G1 top climax so mm-hmm. you know Tamatonga has a very uh, real uh, opinion of you know I beat you so let me challenge for what you've won you know you didn't best me um, mm-hmm. so uh, at the time of recording this yesterday was power struggle and Okada defended his rights to challenge, you know, his G1 winner's rights against Tamatonga, and he retained. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, he's proven that he is deserving of winning the G1, and he will go into the Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Does he defend it anymore between now and then? 
in usual in usual circumstances yes because the g1 is usually held in the summer it's usually held for yeah. august um because of the olympics meant to be last year new japan pushed mm-hmm. it back to uh october and then obviously the olympics didn't take place last year and it got pushed back to this year so then new japan had to push it back to october again this year mm-hmm. so usually there's a big gap from august to wrestle kingdom in january there's a good few mm-hmm. big shows so the title will get defe- the 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 G1 winners' rights will get defended a couple of times mm. along that way. But, you know, Okada only lost once and there's really only been the one big show between now and Wrestle Kingdom because it's in two months. So mm-hmm. he's, he's proven himself and he's now safe and he's going to defend. Unless, you know, it's wrestling. Someone, something might happen. Someone might challenge him. Right. But, uh, it's pretty much set in stone that Okada will be challenging Shingo for the title at Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. Gotcha. And, that's, I mean, and I've seen some Shingo as well. I- I think I remember seeing him when he was with Dragon Gate, and I think he did some with Dragon Gate USA. I mean, I could be completely wrong about that, but that's that was my that's been like my exposure to Shingo was like Dragon Gate and whatnot as well. Yeah, um, no, Shingo was a bit a big a big part of Dragon Gate for many years, and he done Ring of Honor when he was uh, you know working for Dragon Gate and stuff. Yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, I forgot about his little run there in ROH. Fine then. So to wrap up Okada, at the top of the podcast, you gave yourself a rating of about two or three on your knowledge of Okada. Mm-hmm. What rank would you give yourself now? I would say with everything that I knew kind of going into this and all the information that you've kind of provided me today that I have actually been kind of writing down in my notes, um, I would say I'm probably up to about maybe a seven. Seven, um, that is yes. very good for my first episode. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm going to yes. be disappointed yeah, or, going forward when I never reach a seven again. Yeah, I would say a six or a seven. Um, you know, kind of right in that right in that range because I know there's still a lot for me to learn about uh, in terms of Okada, but this is a really good base to kind of get me started. A lot, lot, lot better of a base than I had before. And then you got two of the three questions were at the top. The only one you wasn't sure of which you will hopefully get now, is what New Japan faction is Okada a part of? So it'll be Chaos. We, 100%. Free for free. There we go. This, this has gone too well. Um, I'm going to get someone on that says they've learned less and that they get the questions <laughs> wrong and it'll be my retirement after <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> well, hopefully this goes longer than two episodes because there's a lot more in terms of Japan I'd, I'd really like to discuss. Absolutely. Hopefully we're, uh, we're in it for the long haul. Right then, everyone, thank you for listening to Noob Japan. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't learn something, hopefully you at least enjoyed yourself. And if you didn't enjoy yourself or learn something, and that's a portion of your life you're never getting back, but please tune into our other episodes. Thanks. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. This is the part of the show where I ask you to subscribe, rate, and review because it supposedly helps with stuff according to every other podcast ever made. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to come on to the podcast as either an enthusiast or a noob, please reach out to me on Twitter. Again, my Twitter is at KieranRH and then the number two. Uh, anyone and everyone is welcome. Uh, I will gladly be the noob to your enthusiast and I'll gladly be the enthusiast to your noob. Make sure to follow Adam on Twitter as well. And I'm nine times yeah. central off the top of my head that it is at writeradam 84 uh, actually, no, it's WrestleWriter84. WrestleWriter84. Yeah, and I Wrestle... also have, yeah, at WrestleWriter84, and then I also tweet about trading cards under Monster Box Cards. Yeah, Adam has a great uh, view on history, especially with professional wrestling. 
he has written some great stuff for Wrestle In, where he's found uh, like a gold mine of old wrestling uh, cards and uh, articles from old newspapers. He's really a treasure trove when it comes to the uh, forgotten history of uh, American professional wrestling. Oh, I, I appreciate that, Karen. Very kind words. Right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. That was New Japan. We are Wrestle In, and now we're out. <laughs>